Isle of Imaginaria, Chapter 2, Follow Your Calling. Marky couldn't sleep. Every time she tried to doze off, she thought about the paintings in the hallway. Aunt Delia was so vague about it all. What in the world? The colors, the kites, the jumpsuits. Marky needed to know more. She fumbled around in the dark for a second, then turned on the side table lamp. She pulled open the tiny drawer and took out a pencil and paper. A small list of questions began to form. Marky had a million and didn't want to forget one. Where do kite fighters train? How old do you have to be to train? Has she ever flown a kite? She paced around the room. She counted the drawers of the built-in dresser next to the side table. One, two, three, four, All the way to nine. Five, six, Next, Marky stood in front of the window. She pushed both sides of the drapes open. The city was still alive. There were cars everywhere. Christmas lights twinkled across the sky. She stood there for a few minutes until the sky train screeched to a halt at the stop in front of Aunt Delia's. Marky closed the curtains and made a few more laps around the room. She was wide awake now. She grabbed the pencil and paper and wrote a few more questions. How do I even become a kite cadet? And what actually is kite fighting? Is it a sport, a game, or even a battle? Marky glanced at the robe on the end of her bed, then the doorknob, then back to her robe. She slid her feet into slippers and tied her robe as she tucked her pencil behind her ear. Marky decided she couldn't wait until tomorrow to talk to Aunt Delia. She opened the door to her room and tucked her list of questions into her pocket. She walked very slowly past the paintings in the hallway. She could hear talking and laughing coming from the kitchen. She walked a little faster and imagined an all-nighter with sugar cookies and girl talk. But before Marky could even ask about the kite fighters, Annie spun around in her chair and snapped. Marky, you startled us. It's late. You should be in bed. But, Mom... Marky, enough. Go to bed. Marky, a little embarrassed, left the kitchen. When she got to the end of the hallway, she walked very slowly past the paintings. This time, she studied them. And not just the people and the jumpsuits. This time, Marky noticed the buildings in the background, and the trees, and the fields. She took the pencil from behind her ear and wrote down the details about the paintings onto the back of the list of questions she had in her pocket. When she got back into her room, Marky plopped down on the big fluffy rug in the middle of the floor. She spread out the list of questions in her pencil. She laid back and stared straight up at the ceiling. She was bored, wide awake, and now a little worried that she had made her mom and Aunt Delia upset. She rolled over and spotted a scrapbook on the bookshelf. 
She flipped pages of newspaper clippings and photos that dated back generations. Marky held her hands up and formed her shadow into a kite and danced it across the ceiling, back and forth. She swooped. She dived. She soared. Then, the sky train screeched to a halt outside. Marky got up and looked out the window as her daydream faded. She went to the closet and rummaged through her jacket pocket. She found her SkyTrain map from the airport. She expanded the booklet all the way out and saw it. She stared at the photograph above the train schedule. Then she ran back and looked at the scrapbook and compared it to the notes she had taken from the hallway. The Grandest Palace was listed as one of the most popular train stops, and Marky noticed that was the field for the kite fights. She decided she definitely couldn't wait until tomorrow. She got dressed into a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and draped her messenger bag across her body. Marky glanced down at the train schedule in her hand, then the doorknob, then back to the schedule. Marky realized she had about 12 minutes before the next train stopped in front of Aunt Delia's. By the time she was able to fashion a mannequin out of a couple of bath towels, she was down to 10. Marky positioned the makeshift mannequin in her bed under the blankets exactly how she slept. She stepped back to admire her handiwork and thought of one last thing. She used the pad and pencil to write a note. Dear Mom and Aunt Delia, I decided to go figure out this kite stuff on my own. Love, Marky. P.S. I will be a kite fighter. A female one. Marky tucked the note under the blanket just in case they discovered she was gone. She grabbed her canteen and tucked her map, notes, some money, and a hairpin into her bag. Marky slid her arms into her bathrobe and hoped the lumps and bumps from her bag and canteen would go undetected if she got caught. Now she was down to seven minutes. The doorknob made a tiny click sound, and Marky held her breath as she cracked the door open, just enough to tiptoe through. The hallway light was off. Only a warm glow from the art lights was visible. Marky tiptoed all the way down the hall, She could see the bright kitchen light. Her heart pounded. It felt like it was in her throat. Almost there. She stayed light on her feet and rounded the corner. She had her eyes on the front door and didn't look up once until she made it. She traded her slippers for sneakers and held her breath as she opened the front door. She had four minutes to cross the street and get to the train stop. Marky's nerves kicked in a little when she heard the cars. Everything looked different when she was in her room. Outside, everything seemed so big and so loud. But she wanted to go. She felt compelled to go. At 10.30 p.m., the doors to the Sky Train opened and Marky stepped in. She knew just how to do it. Her mom had let her pay for their tickets earlier. Marky stepped up, 
followed the instructions on the ticket booth, then slid into an empty seat. The train lurched forward. Marky was glued to the seat. Every time the train stopped, she looked down to the map to double-check that she was on the correct route. The train made six stops and then finally stopped in front of the grandest palace. Marky jumped up and made her way to the door, and as soon as it opened, a big blast of air nearly knocked her over. She took a big gulp and stepped off the train. As soon as she did, she could see the grandest palace in the distance. It was a magnificent sight. Shades of purple, blue, and green illuminated the sky. It was a place for royal ceremonies and events, and a place to welcome guests of the king and queen. Most of the royal family still lived there. Spotlights pointing up from the ground outlined both the palace and the field next to it. The boardwalk beneath Marky's feet had tiny lights on the edges and meandered all the way down to the entrance, like a runway. It was so warm, so inviting, so magical. It looked like an amusement park, but with none of the rides turned on. Or a city, where everyone was inside. Marky walked, and walked, and kept walking. The palace was further than it seemed. At one point, she felt like she was walking in place. To pass the time, she focused on the wooden planks beneath her feet. They all sounded just a little bit different. Marky varied how hard she stepped on each one. And then, how many planks she could skip in between steps. The closer she got, the more different things appeared. Street artists and food vendors now lined the boardwalk. Marky was mesmerized by ladies spinning hoops and twirling fire. She stood still for a minute to watch the jugglers. It was hypnotic. The jugglers were almost in unison with the fire twirlers. Marky felt a tiny little tinge of heat every time the fireball swooshed by. Then she heard a beautiful melody. Just as she turned to see where it was coming from, a man on a unicycle rode by playing an electric violin. But it was an electric violin whose plug wasn't even plugged into anything. Next, Marky spotted two mini donkeys. They had baskets of peonies draped across their backs. She started following them down the boardwalk to the right. Mmm, it smelled like funnel cake and fudge. She followed them to the left. Mmm, now it smelled like olive oil with garlic and herbs. She kept walking. She passed an ice cream stand with waffle cones and then a pretzel stand. Marky stopped to watch a food vendor turn a potato into one gigantically long curly fry. There were face painters and souvenir stands with kites and light-up goggles. Marky tried on a pair. Perfect fit 
she held up her arms and did a little twirl to see if they would slip. And as she turned around, she saw a four-foot piece of corn walking in her direction. Marky quickly snatched her goggles down to refocus and try to figure out what she just saw. She walked in the direction of the giant corn. Ah, she spotted him. But just as she was about to tap him on his leaf, a man on stilts stopped right in front of Marky. He was selling popsicle sticks with birdseed. As much as that excited her, not now. She had to keep up with corn. But he was gone. As she passed the last few booths and food stands before the entrance, she came upon a gigantic concession stand of corn. There was corn everywhere. On the cob, off the cob. There was popcorn, caramel corn, grilled corn, roasted corn, corn nuggets, corn pudding, corn bread. Strings of lights and popcorn garland draped the four corners of the stand. The concession workers all wore costumes. Some looked like actual ears of corn, silky hair with green leaves and a few exposed niblets. One was dressed as a giant red and white box and stood next to a glass case filled with popcorn. She constantly popped it. The sound. The smell. It never stopped. And then, in Marky's peripheral, she saw the front entrance to the palace. She moved closer. There were velvet ropes forming lines for people to line up. And the donkeys! They were in front of the wooden doors, sort of like guards or greeters. And they took turns trotting and high-stepping in front of a big wooden sign that read, Closed. Reopens at 7 a.m. What? It's closed? Marky almost cried. Her face was hot. The pit in her stomach was no longer hunger. Was it panic? Anger? Confusion? She wanted to go in. She needed to go in. She needed the info from the museum. She stood there for a minute, trying to figure out what to do next. The sides in the back of the palace were surrounded by a stone wall stadium, but Marky could see the field in the distance. She walked the rest of the boardwalk down to the field house. It was closed, too. But there were bronze statues all around the grounds. Marky went from one to another and read the inscription in front of each one. She recognized every name from Aunt Delia's hallway. She stood next to one of them. Right next to it. She was the same height and the same body frame. She stood side by side for a second and closed her eyes. She tried to imagine herself in a jumpsuit. She squeezed her fists. She tried to imagine herself gripping the control lines to a kite. She felt a slight breeze as her hair tickled her lips. And when Marky opened her eyes, she saw a black crow perched on the statue. It almost startled her, but it was so still. Marky was curious. She followed the crow as it flew away, back towards the grandest palace. But 
The crow didn't go to the front. It went to the back and landed on the walkway that ran the length of the wall. Marky followed. The back of the Grandest Palace was not as well lit as the front. The wall was too tall to see over, but Marky could see jewel-toned light coming from inside of the windows. She caught sight of Crow again, nibbling on birdseed that was scattered in a perfect circle. Marky watched and wondered what had made that perfect circular outline of birdseed. The crow took his time, crunching each little seed one by one. Marky moved a little closer, carefully as not to disturb the crow. She traced her finger along the stone wall, then along the vines climbing the wall, She figured maybe if she looked busy, Crow wouldn't notice her. But he did notice her. They locked eyes with each other. But Crow kept nibbling and staring at Marky. She looked away. Surely she had been detected. The Crow flapped his wings and let out a big caw three times in a row. He just hovered and flapped his wings so vigorously it scattered the bird seed from his neat little circle. The crow took flight up into a tree with limbs that overhung the palace courtyard. Marky wanted to go with Crow. She looked around and couldn't see anybody. Marky wrapped a vine around each wrist and then held it firmly in her grip like a bull rider. She hoisted her weight and lifted herself up just enough to place her feet against the wall. One over the other, she stair-climbed her way up, inch by inch, enough to grab the top of the wall. She threw one leg over, pulled the vines one last time enough to make a final surge over the wall. Marky locked eyes again with Crow. This time, she didn't look away. Instead, she followed his gaze which was almost motioning towards the doorknob. He led the way for Marky to breach the door. She followed Crow, pausing only briefly to second guess her decision. (laughs) 